0: This is Fans on the Run, a podcast made by four and about Beelessmost. And
1: now, here's your host? Ethan Alexanian. Alright everyone, welcome back to Fans on the Run. I'm Ethan Alatanian, and this is my show, and that was my name. I don't know why I feel the need to say that. You know You know, you'd think after about 13 episodes I would know how to host a show. I still very much do not. All right. We have a Pennsylvania based musician who I'm sure a lot of, you know, he's he's open for Blue Oyster Cult, Keith Urban, Gilbert Gottfried. Uh, He's played with Robbie McIntosh, Hamish Stewart from the Paul McCartney Band, and uh, he's jammed with the Smithereens, which I think is worthy enough of him being on the show as is. Scott
2: Erickson, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you, Ethan. Very nice to be here. I do have to uh, I do have to correct you. I didn't open for Keith Urban. I didn't oh. open. I, I actually played on stage with Keith Urban. I I stand corrected. Thank you for correcting me. It's it's okay. It was it was it was actually a very cool situation. He was doing a, he was doing a tiny little tiny little venue in Allentown, Pennsylvania, as his first album was coming out and his single was 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 uh, was hitting the charts. And almost on a dare. By some friends of mine who were doing the morning show at the local station, uh, I kind of asked if I could come up and play with him. and and he said, "Get your ass up here!" And I brought my guitar with me, and and we plugged in and we did a couple of songs together. It was completely off the cuff, and and people barely knew who Keith Urban was, and certainly nobody knew who I was. At least, at least nobody, and yeah, nobody really knew who I was. A couple of people did, but but. Uh, A couple of years later, Keith Urban was the biggest thing in country music. And I'm and nobody knows still nobody knows who I am.
1: Well, you know what? (laughs) Now that now that I know that I can say with full confidence, you are fully responsible for Keith Urban's career. No,
2: I take no blame or credit. Oh, was that? No, not at all. I am a huge. Oh, I'm a huge fan of Keith. He's an amazing player. Amazing player.
1: You know, I'm not super into his music, but I, I do respect him as a musician. Oh, he's fin- he's
2: fantastic.
1: But enough about these other people like Keith Urban. Let's talk about the Beatles. I've heard of them. They're pretty good. Yeah, some band from over across the pond. I was going to make a joke about how no <laughs> one's ever heard of them, but then that would kind of put a damper on my mood because that's <laughs> my
2: whole show. <laughs> yeah, th- those guys were pretty popular. Once upon a long ago. So Scott, yes. When did you first discover the Beatles? Oof. Um, well, I I first discovered the Beatles almost by accident. Um, my father was an oldies DJ when I was a little kid and before I was born, and and but he was big into Elvis and Fats Domino and Little Richard,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and. Uh, and growing up, I, I was raised on all of that stuff and it kind of, kind of grew. I got into Chuck Berry and had heard of the Beatles probably around, probably early in, in the early eighties. And I was making, we were making a mixtape for my little sister. And, and when I say making a mixtape, we were using my dad's old reel to reel tape recorder. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> to make a mix real. And uh, and I had just gotten into The Beatles. We were just starting to get into The Beatles. Uh, this is probably like around maybe 1980, 1981. So, you know, I just, I had known The Beatles. I had known a couple of songs just from hearing the hits on the radio. And I was, I wanted to put a Chuck Berry song. I wanted to, and my dad said, The Beatles did a Chuck Berry song. And I went, Really? And he went and pulled out, the old Capital Starline Forty Five of Roll Over Beethoven with the green swirl label. And we u-
1: gotta love those Capital Starline Forty oh, five. Absolutely.
2: And we used the the Beatles version of Rollover Beethoven on this mix reel. I don't know whatever happened to the tape. My sister probably has no idea. She wouldn't even remember getting it. It was like I said so long ago.
1: The important question is whatever happened to the forty five? Oh, the
2: forty five is safely in my in my collection. As were you heard it here first. As were all of all all of uh, the Beatles records that were in in my dad's re- record library. Those are now mine, including including um, one of the one of the Beatles U.S. promo Holy Grail 45s. I have a mono Strawberry Fields Penny Lane oh, promo, dude. and it's all oh, with the extra little trumpet. Yes, bit. and it's not a, oh. and it's not a counterfeit. It is an actual, real, legitimate pressing.
1: Oh, dude!
2: Oh, and it sounds—you're making me very jealous. And, here. Oh, and it sounds better than the one that they used that Cap, that Apple used for the Sgt. Pepper box a few years ago. Well, the one they used was just a—it was an a, like a, it. They used an they used a. Not only did they use a bad copy, it was a, a very bad vinyl rip. They used a vinyl yeah. rip of a bootleg pressing. <laughs> Wait, really? Yes, really.
1: I, I knew it was a needle drop, but of a bootleg?
2: It was a needle drop of a counterfeit pressing,
1: yes. Okay, that is fantastic. You learn something new every day. <laughs> so apart from that, you know, Capital Starline 45, what was your first Beatles album
2: record? My first the first Beatles album I had was a was an Apple reissue pressing of Meet the Beatles. The Capitol album, For- Meet the Beatles, <laughs> and and again absconded from my dad's record collection. My dad wasn't a big Beatles fan. He, again, being an oldies DJ, and again my dad grew my dad was born in 1944, so he grew up in the 50s. So the Beatles weren't his thing. As a matter of fact, he saw the Beatles on the Ed Sullivan Show. He was in college. He told me the story. He goes, "I watched them. I laughed at them because I thought they looked I thought they looked stupid with the long hair. And I said, these guys are never going to last."
1: but your first introduction but my, to the beatles was through meet the beatles yeah my
2: first my first beatles album again was was the meet the beatles album and i honestly don't think i could find a better first beatles album there are there are
1: only a handful that could you know match that uh you know cuz that was the album that launched the beatles well if it's the album that launched the Beatles. If you want to count all those VJ well, albums, well, it was the
2: let's it, it was the first Capitol Beatles album. Yes, remember mm-hmm. VJ had put out an album introducing the Beatles quite quite a ways beforehand, mm-hmm. and and also Tolly Records had put out the single, you know, again to almost a year year and a half beforehand.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, as a Canadian, I always I always get a kick out of seeing those, uh, you know, Tolly Swan VJ stuff. It's like, man, they they couldn't keep a record label at first, could they? And then <laughs> well, their records were just
2: gold. Well, it's not it's not, not th- even gold records. They were probably physically gold. <laughs> well, you no, know, it's, it's to not have the, the license it, to. Well, it's not that they couldn't. It's not that they couldn't keep a record label. It was just in the remember the U.S. was a completely different market. And at the time, there were, in in 62 and early 63, it was almost unheard of for a UK act to make it big in the States.
1: Mm -hmm. If my memory serves me correct, the only band that had had a US number one single up to that point was the Tornadoes, Telstar. Which is not something you would expect with the phrase "British
2: band," right? Because it's a, it was an instrumental, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a good song. Oh, it's a great tune. Don't get me wrong.
1: Oh yeah. So after Meet the Beatles, what was your your next kind of Beatles record after that?
2: Uh, I think after the Meet the Beatles album, it was it was just a collection of of having single having my dad singles, and I mm-hmm. and I think and uh, and I honestly think. The 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 latest his singles collection went up to was Strawberry Fields, Penny Lane, so I really didn't get into a lot um, in until until CDs came around, and I think the first the first Beatles CD I ever bought was Sgt. Pepper,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and then uh, and then I got Hard Days Night, so those were the two the two the first two Beatles CDs I ever got. But I had, I had become aware, more aware of the music um, in listening to it on, on radio and, and stuff like that. But I really... I really sorry about that. I hadn't discovered things until... Um, I really didn't get into the music as thoroughly as I am now until, until the CDs really came out. So I'm 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 a I'm a I'm, a, I'm a, a bit of a late bloomer in terms of 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 Beatle fandom.
1: Uh, y- well, you know CDs is still earlier than I got into them because those CDs came out before I was alive.
2: Right. Well, that yeah, but that's not your fault. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, I remember some of my earliest memories of the Beatles were, oh, the Beatles are now on iTunes. That's cool. <laughs> Which probably makes me sound like such a young whippersnapper.
2: Well, I y- you you are, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like I
1: remember listening to my mom's old eight tracks.
2: Oh, I was I was pre eight track. I was vinyl. I'm a vinyl kid. Well, in a weird way, I am also a vinyl kid. Well, yeah, but but that's only because vinyl's been come back around now. So and and nothing. But the thing is, with that, I got in before the major
1: revival happened back before it was all in, you know, Target and Walmart. Right. So I I, I still kind of have this this snobbish attitude <laughs> that I'm trying to shed.
2: I remember when vinyl was less expensive than CDs.
1: Oh, thems was the days. Vinyl vinyl
2: vinyl was 9.98, CDs were
1: 14.98. Oh, oh dude, I wish you're you're lucky if you can get a double album for under
2: like 70
1: bucks here in Canada.
2: I believe me, I know.
1: Yeah. So, you're a musician. We I've already said Yes. That. Um and I I was watching your uh, stream the other day on Facebook. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Scott does these fantastic uh Facebook live performances. And you have this uh <laughs> spreadsheet of all the songs that you know. <laughs> And it's it's basically like reading through the Beatles entire catalog, you know, <laughs> minus like Wild Honey Pie and oh, Revolution Nine.
2: Revolution Nine has never been on the playlist. I, I have done Wild Honey Pie live. Was it on Was it on a dare? No, actually, you mentioned uh, in my when you introduced me that I uh, I had I had jammed with the Smithereens. It it goes a little bit deeper than that. Um, Pat DeNizio from the Smithereens <laughs> called me up one morning. We were friends in, in the early 2000s. Pat calls me up one morning, Scotty, I'm putting a Beatles band together. We're going to do the entire White Album live. I need you as my guitar player and co-musical director. Oh, damn. <laughs> I, it was like 8 or 8.30, 9 o'clock in the morning, and I was asleep. And, and I went, oh, okay. <laughs> and, and suddenly I was like, oh, my God, this means I actually have to learn to play the White Album. and 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 i helped i helped pat put put a band together and and we played the entire white album live and this was in we did this in two that we did in 2009 i think um and and the only thing we didn't perform live was revolution 9 but we did the entire album
1: he did wild honey pie yes how did
2: you pull that off it wasn't very. It was. It, it's not very difficult. I mean, it's only about four chords, and it just repeats over and over again. It's, but it, it, it. That was that was a major undertaking. For us, and it was a lot of fun.
1: Um, out of all the Beatles songs, which would which would you say is the hardest to play?
2: Um, that that kind of depends. I mean, it, uh, as I primarily work as a solo performer, so. It, it, it's it's difficult i mean as a solo performer anything with 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 the, with the harmonies is is going to be is going to be a little tricky so something Well like, but you pulled the harmonies off quite well yeah, with I, what you Yeah I got a, I got a little toy on the floor that, that helps me with that. But um, us guitar players always love our little toys yes, on the floor. Yes yes. Um but so but with with without the aid of technology i would say the hardest thing for me to pull off was uh was a day in the life oh really with and that was without the aid of technology <laughs> that and uh and stuff like the Abbey uh, and the Abbey road medley or the golden slumbers medley I should clarify um, <laughs> but with with the aid of technology there's really not much the there's not much i don't I can't do it's now just a matter of finding stuff i i i I want to do or or don't want to do um yes it is is still probably the most tricky for me
1: Mm -hmm. well the song is 90 percent harmonies
2: right but you know but i'm i'm able to pull off i mean i I, my i think if, if you ask me what my favorite beatles song is i think right now my favorite george beatles song is if i needed someone Oh,
1: that is—that's a good choice. And
2: I and I love playing that one live.
1: That was, I think, the first song when I got my twelve-string. The first song I played. <laughs> well, of course, you, ha- you have to. Yeah. you have to. It was that, and you can't do that. Of course. Well, yeah, absolutely. And the one chord from "Hard Day's
2: Night." But which, but but which voicing of the chord?
0: <laughs> Hold on. <laughs>
1: the way i understand it and i know it's like a very sensitive subject to a lot of people <laughs> my understanding is it's
2: there's there's three different there's three different things going on basically one is if if you play an e suspended 7 chord barred on the third fret i don't have a guitar in front of me for a change or next to me um one chord it would be a G suspended seven as a bar chord the 12 string one guitar is doing that another guitar is playing an F an F major seven chord with your pinky on the high E th- string third fret so so adding a G so it's an F major seven add nine <laughs> all right so you have those two guitars matter of fact let me I'll actually grab a guitar I, I will stand up and get a guitar uh, this one I think is tuned down. All right, I don't the twelve strings are packed away at the moment, so let's see. I don't even know if this is in tune. Close enough. Alright. You have one guitar. This is the this is the Alright, that's the G suspended seven on the third fret. Okay. <laughs> then you have the other guitar which is doing the F major seven add nine. I think that was the one I, right. I played. I
1: I'm not good with the chord okay. names and the suspended add seven.
2: Right. Well, you know, so you, diminished have, you, ha- third. you have one guitar doing this. And you have the other guitar doing this. While you have the bass hitting a D.
1: I would grab my bass, but it's in the shot.
2: Right. Well, you have the, pace, the, the, uh, the bass and the piano hitting a D. So you got all those things happening at once. And that's how you get the chords saw this
1: video of i think it was uh, randy bachman yes <laughs> explaining
2: yep yep. Yeah. R- randy loves that story
1: <laughs> national treasure
2: yes randy's son is is an even better even bigger treasure in my opinion randy's son tal is a good friend and one of my musical heroes
1: Shout out to the son of Randy Bachman, Tal Bachman,
2: superior of the two Bachmans. I, I'm I wouldn't say superior, but I'm a I'm a big 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 fan of Tal. And Tal 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 was a guest at the fest for Beatles fans along with his dad a couple of years ago, and I really? and I have been a fan, I have been a fan of of Tal since his his debut album came out in 1999. And getting to meet well 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 all right backtrack. Uh, Randy put out an album a few years ago called By George by Bachman, which is a George, okay. which was a George Harrison tribute album,
0: <laughs>
2: and was touring to support that album. And he was booked, he was appear- he appeared at the uh, the New Jersey fest for Beatles fans, and Tal was with him, in as part of part of Randy's band. So I was just more excited about meeting Tal, <laughs> and Tal ended up, Tal and I ended up becoming friends. Uh, we had been friends on Facebook for a few years, but we we got to meet face-to-face, and, and Tal's just a really cool guy. And Tal had a huge hit with a song in 1999 called She's So High, which is just a brilliant tune.
1: I'll have to give that a listen once we're done.
2: Now, you preempted my... Uh one of
1: the questions I was going to ask later uh, with Sorry. what was your favorite Beatles song? Um, so now I'll, I'll ask the flip side of that question. What is your least favorite Beatles song? And please to God say,
2: don't say Mr. Moonlight. Um, My least favorite Beatles song. You know, um, it could be least favorite
1: Beatles song, least favorite song to play live. My
2: my least favorite Beatles song. And I'm going to catch so much hell from your from your fan base and your listeners Oh, you won't. Oh, I'll, I'll defend I'm you. I'm sure. I, no, I'm sure I will. My least favorite Beatles song is "Across the Universe."
1: Okay, that <laughs> I I don't blame you for. I don't blame you. I'm not a fan of the the Let It Be album entirely, except for a few songs.
2: Well, I I've I've discussed "Across the Universe." That'll with, get with me even so more many help. people. Well, I you know what I I accept "Let It Be" for what it is. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't. I don't have a problem with it in principle, or even in theory. It is what it is. Um, I. I think. I think it's the worst of, of Lennon's output. I think. I think. Mm-hmm. I think it shows. How little John actually cared about being a Beatle or writing Beatle songs by that point. Um, mm-hmm. And across the universe, you can people who want to claim how brilliant it, it was. It is. It was it was a rehash from the White Album sessions or the pre White Album sessions. Yeah, but
1: I mean, I just I, I think it was only on the Let It Be album because they were just running out of stuff to do. So well, Phil Spector pulled that off of that uh, World Wildlife Federate or Foundation album. Well,
2: that was part of it. Well, John, they 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 brought it back during the sessions. They brought it back during mm-hmm. the January '69 sessions because John. I
1: could just be talking out of my ass. No, here. no, no,
2: no. Um, john was never really satisfied with the song as you know john john was never satisfied with anything john was quoted as saying if he he was it sometimes during the 70s he was he was in a conversation with george martin and said if i could if we could i'd go back and re-record everything and george and george said not strawberry fields and john said he goes i'd start with strawberry fields or something I think like I that. I read that somewhere. Yeah. So John was never really satisfied. So so he went back. They 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 tried to do across the universe. They you know tried it again. So. So yeah. So it was it was kind. Of, they kind of. But but I just I, there's just something about the song. I just. It 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 doesn't do anything for me. And and I think even less. I. I Lyrically, I think even less of Dig a Pony, but at least it's got some energy to it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. The only song on that album that I can say is in my top you know, 20 Beatles songs is I Me Mine, and I I don't know how controversial of a choice that might be.
2: That's a great song. That's a great song, and and that's one of those songs that I think Spector's work actually improved it.
1: How did you know I was going to say that?
2: <laughs> Not a very controversial statement, there, um, Specter. And it, again, for better or worse, what Specter did kind of salvaged. Let it be. I've heard. I've heard the original Get Back compilation. You know, the albums that Glenn Johns prepared that were that were ultimately rejected.
0: <laughs>
2: you know, I've. I, so,
1: Do you prefer uh, the original Like Phil Spector or the uh, Let It Be Naked
2: well, version let, let It Be Naked is Is not What the Get Back Album was, was Supposed <laughs> to be Let It Be Naked is, is, is It's own kind of thing And It has it's good moments And it has it's bad moments but any anybody who, who who bought Let It Be Naked thinking this is the way it was originally supposed to be before Phil Spector <laughs> got his hands on it is sadly mistaken. You know what though? I actually kinda like the Glenn Johns mix. But but the Let It Be Naked isn't the Glenn Johns mix. It it uses that
1: as kind of a starting point, but
2: it, but it's you know. but it's still but it's not the Glenn Johns albums.
1: Yeah. If if people want to call uh let it be the original like a specterized version, then I, I would call let it be naked the McCartneyized version. Let
2: it be naked is absolutely the McCartneyized version. Yeah. And and whether or not that's a good thing or a bad thing, I I can leave I will leave that up to to the individual listener. I, I don't dislike let it be naked, but it's it's certainly not my go-to.
1: No. Well with the that album it's just not a go to in general
2: for some people it may be i think yes. i think i think two of us is brilliant i think one after 909 is one after 909 is probably the only moment that i can that i can listen to the beatles in, from january 1969 and go here is a moment where these four guys are really Enjoying themselves and being in the moment and having a good time and and everything else has fallen by the wayside.
1: Five guys, don't forget about Billy Preston.
2: Uh, oh, so my! Yeah, Billy Preston. Yes, Billy Preston's there, absolutely. But again, just thinking about what was going on in January '69 and how, you know, how these guys were just really didn't want to be where they were. That those those two and a half three minutes or however long the song is, is unbridled joy. And it's those guys just really enjoying playing music. If I if I can if I can say this without fear of, of, of mincing my words or being a, or, or or saying anything. For the for that moment in time, all of the bullshit went got set aside and they were they were musicians playing music and and enjoying enjoying being together making music together again everything else not nothing else mattered at that moment mm-hmm. so that when,
1: I'm glad you reminded me about one after 909 cuz that is you know the other standout of that album
2: well i mean even looking at the album for you blue is a, is a great little tune mm-hmm. you know there, there, there's a lot of good stuff there's a lot of good stuff on Let It Be. Two I just
1: think it would have been a better album if it
2: was fleshed out more. Well, for what it, for what it was, it there really wasn't much of of an opportunity to flesh anything out because re- remember, for Let It Be essentially is a soundtrack to a documentary. <laughs>
1: It only came out because they owed United Artists a film, and I think they owed EMI an album.
2: Well, that, that yeah, that's as maybe, but but w- again, when you think about "Let It Be," you can't look at, look. Don't look at it as an album in and of itself. You have to look at it as a soundtrack. Mm-hmm. It's a so- it's a soundtrack to a documentary. Um, but I don't think I've actually ever looked at it that way. Like, well, that's what that's really what it is. Huh. The original. The, remember the original concept of of what was supposed to be Get Back was it was it was going to be the guys rehearsing and performing. It was originally going to be the guys were going to rehearse and perform a concert. And it, and from what uh, a couple of years, about a year and a half, two years ago. I was part of a, a symposium at Monmouth University all about the White Album.
0: <laughs>
2: and one of, the things, one of the discussions we were talking about is, apparently, what January 69 was originally intended, it was rehearsals, and they were going to do a concert performing material from the White Album live. Really? That was the idea. They were going to find some some exotic location and go, and do a live concert. And then... All right, Ringo didn't want to fly anywhere, (laughs) and and all right, so all right, so we're not going to do a concert of this material. All right, so let's let's rehearse, let's write a new album, but let's go back to our roots and just it's be the four of us in the studio the way we started in 1962. No overdubs. We go in, we record, we write these songs, we record live, and we'll have and 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 since we need to film we Will have the cameras document us, you know, writing and rehearsing these songs, and then we'll do a live concert of these songs, and then we'll have the album, as well. And and so the, these were these were what was what was was posed for these January nineteen sixty nine sessions.
1: You got to wonder what Beatles history might have looked like. <laughs> if the original plans for January sixty nine went through, if it would have like triggered, you know, a return to touring of some kind.
2: Well it's 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 kind of hard to say. I mean you, you can everybody likes to do a, a what if thing but when when you get down to the very end of it, there's really no way of 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 saying, well what if or or what would have been because everything in the Beatles history kind of worked out the way it absolutely had to. And, and if you look back, how unbelievably lucky or, or f- and fortunate we have been now in that at almost every pivotal moment in Beatles history, there is some kind of documentation of it. There are recordings. There are photos. In some cases, there's even film footage of every of every significant day. Literally, you go back to June. What, what was it? July sixth, nineteen fifty-seven, or was it June? Whatever the 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 day that John and Paul first met. Yeah. There are photos of John and the Quarrymen on stage. There is audio of John and the Quarrymen on stage. You know, there and 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 now apparently there's 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 some silent film footage that some guy some some guy with a a film camera took. What? I I could have sworn I saw something. I might I may be wrong. But the point is we have recordings, we have photos of the day that of of the day that John and Paul met. You know, we've got recordings of uh, of the Beatles at the Star Club.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, we have th- there's audio of, of rehearsals from the Cavern Club of Ringo's first you know, when Ringo first joined the band. We've got the you know, the Deca auditions were recorded. You know, so I mean we've got we've got the Liverpool 1960 tapes of of Paul, George, John and Stuart Sutcliffe.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, what other band in history, has just somehow coincidentally has every part of their formative history somehow documented like this.
1: Now, I'm not a, a religious person, but that it seems like there is some sort of like divine intervention there, that there just happened to be you know someone th- like documenting this stuff. Exactly.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I'm. I I don't necessarily believe in coincidences, (laughs) but but I mean, that's I mean, it's just it's pretty incredible. You know, I mean, I think I think Apple's been doing an amazing job with the Sergeant Apple hasn't really stopped. Well, well, with with I mean, think about it with the with the with the last three box sets, Pepper, uh, the White Album and Abbey Road. Those things have been fantastic. I mean, we've been getting they've 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 been giving the fans what they want.
1: Except for Carnival of Light, I'm still pissed that that wasn't on the box, even if it is. Mark Lewis told me personally that it's nothing impressive, like that. I would be very disappointed if I heard
2: it. I honestly don't know if you can hear the sound of my eyes rolling in the back of my head at you mentioning Carnival of Light. (laughs) It's, you
1: know, regardless if it's good or not, it's become that mythic thing.
2: Yeah, but but, you know what? It's, it's one of those, the only reason anybody cares about it is because it's the Beatles.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, can you blame people? Like, the Beatles is the band where you can pretty much uh, go the closest thing to knowing everything about them and having something that's still
2: out of reach for everyone except maybe four people. Yeah, but if it's but if it's that bad, why does it really matter? I mean I, I, I yeah, I get it. There's some kind of, you know, curiosity, but if it's really that bad, it you know, it, it it's it's just I mean I I I I understand that, that people wanna hear it, but the fact that, that everybody's so mad, oh I can't believe they're not giving it to us. Well you know what? They don't have to give us anything you know as I mean Beatle fans are not entitled to anything. you know the Apple doesn't have to give us anything. That is a good point and and, and I'm sorry if the, I'm sorry if that offends or upsets people. I love the Beatles the Beatles no are you're my, absolutely right. The Beatles are my all-time favorite band and I lo- at God I love hearing outtakes and demos and stuff that I've never heard before. But do I think we deserve as fans do I think we deserve to hear every scrap of recorded tape of them? Absolutely not.
1: I mean, it wasn't released for a reason.
2: It 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 you know what? It it was released. It was released once. It was released for the for its original intended use and then it was gone. And you know what? It's not a big loss. It r- it really isn't. <laughs> you Realistically,
1: know? everything I've heard just makes it sound like a less interesting Revolution Nine.
2: Exactly, you know, and that's the whole thing. I I get it. I understand that that people want to hear it for historical significance. But, but, what if? What if the actual you know, hearing it is a huge, huge letdown from its from the hype?
1: I mean, even if it is a letdown, I think some people would be at least satisfied knowing like, well, at least I've heard it.
2: Yeah, but then but then there's always gonna be there's always gonna be the people who who are like, Man, we've waited all this time and this is it. There's always gonna be There's always going to be people who are never satisfied and who are always going to complain.
1: Yeah. The only other song that I can think of that has this kind of hype surrounding it is the uh, 26-minute version
2: of Helter Skelter. We've heard half of that already. We've got we got half of it on the Abbey Road on the, the White Album box. Yeah, but what about the other half? You know what? If the other half is like that, I'm glad we don't have it. I mean, again, yes, more, uh, the 26-minute version, twenty-six minute version, of, if it's another 12 minutes or 13 minutes of, of what we've heard, no thanks. I mean, the
1: best thing about the Beatles is even if they didn't release any of those outtakes, they still provided us with, I think, the greatest catalog of recorded music in the history
2: of, you know, I music. I will not argue that at all absolutely that's you know the music is phenomenal and, and and that's why you know 50 years after the band broke up there are there There's are still nerds are, like us talking there, about exactly it. exactly there are there are there are 17 and 18 year olds like yourself doing podcasts you know there are there are guys who are making their living still putting on boots and suits in in tribute bands you know, making a living, playing the music. You know, th- I First mean, ways to make a living. Absolutely, I mean, I, I mean, what other bands are there that you know that that fifty years after they broke up are still generating this much interest and this much controversy?
1: That's why it angers me to the core whenever anyone tries to say like the Stones
2: are better. It's like shut the fuck up. No, they aren't. <laughs> You know what? But there is no better. There, there there you know, it's it's all a matter of opinion. I mean, you know, I mean, is Charlie Watts a better drummer than Ringo? I don't know. He's a
1: different drummer. He's a Ringo.
2: totally different drummer. Could could Ringo could Ringo play a Stones song with the same groove as Charlie Watts? Absolutely not. Could Charlie Watts play a Beatles song with the same groove and feel as Ringo? Absolutely not. No. You know, they're,
1: it, they're fundamentally different bands, but I feel like comparing them is not exactly favorable to the
2: Stones. No, you know, I, I, w- I was in a band years ago. Um, and and while I love the Stones and my I was the bass player in the band and my guitar player loved the Beatles. The be all and end all of rock and roll for him was the Rolling Stones. For me, the be all and end all was the Beatles.
0: <laughs>
2: and and we used to jo- and we used to laugh and joke. And I used to tell him, said, "Yeah, the Stones just did everything the Beatles did, a year later." <laughs> and he goes, "What do you mean?" I said, "What year did Norwegian Wood come out, with the sitar?" He's like, "Yeah, 1965." I said, "Okay, what year did Painted Black with the sitar come out?" He's like, "Okay." I said, "All right, what year did Sergeant Pepper come out?" Sixty-seven. What year did Satanic Majesty's request come out? And he went, "Shut up, man!"
1: <laughs> but I will not sit here and let my precious Satanic Majesty's request be. I'm not.
2: Trashed. I'm not trashing the Stones. I love the Stones. No, I, I know. I'm, I, I'm putting words in your mouth no, here. No, don't do that, because I. I uh, don't do that. I, matter of fact, one of the things. One of the things I have dumped in my phone right now for my listening when I'm on the road. Is I've got the uh, I've got the the Stones mono box set mm-hmm. um, in in high res audio, and I've been listening to that when I'm on the road, and it's I've been rediscovering how good some of the Stones stuff really was,
1: especially that you know 64 through 69 Brian Jones era.
2: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because I
1: feel like the Stones are overrated for the wrong reasons <laughs> and underrated for, you know, all the, like really kind of groundbreaking stuff they did that kind of gets lost I, in, in betwixt the I don't know satisfactions. If,
2: I don't know if I would consider the Stones groundbreaking. Um, I think they were I think they were a great, a great blues, a great blues band. But I think the Yardbirds were a better blues band.
1: <laughs> that is, I, I, as much as I love the Stones, I will have to, I will have
2: to admit that. I think the Zombies. I think the Zombies were a, an incredible blues band when they started out. Oh, I love the Zombies so much, <laughs> you know. Um, so, but like I said, I, I, for me, I mean when i say to me there is no are the stones or the beatles better there is no better which do i prefer more i'm a, i prefer the beatles over the stones but do i think one is better no that's a fair point i w- but at this po- at, at at this point though um because i've because i've listened to the beatles so much i before before i'll listen to the beatles or the stones i'll listen to the who right now
1: Smart man. <laughs> the, I, I I would say, af- aside from the Beatles, because I don't even consider the Beatles, you know, when I'm l- rattling off my favorite bands, I don't even include the Beatles in that list because that's just kind of a granted. Uh, yeah, so no, the, I'm, I'm the exactly the same
2: way. <laughs> the non-Beatles
1: list kicks off with the Who, then maybe
2: like the Small Faces. Wow. Wow. I... I actually go a little bit more recent my uh, was said I don't even talk about the Beatles or the solo stuff Um, but my all-time favorite band ignoring the Beatles completely my all-time favorite band is a band from Scotland called Della Mitri really and then my all-time favorite American rock and roll band is the smithereens of course but
1: the uh, smithereens
2: are awesome. The smithereens are awesome, and and like I said, and be- from what I hear,
1: they're great guys.
2: They really are. They re- they really are. And and Pat Pat DiNizio, rest his soul, was was a great guy as well. And is that the man who
1: uh, coined the term uh, for you, the human jukebox?
2: Yes, Pat is the one who gave me the nickname the human jukebox, and and Pat gave me that nickname because. Again, it was it, I had this list. Of, it's this list of songs that you could just that people I would just hand out at my gigs and just say, "Here's everything I know. I don't make a set list. You tell me what you want to hear. Here you go." And and Patty just said, "Pat just said Scott Erickson, the Human jukebox. And I think there's a video on YouTube that I posted years ago of me um, playing bass with Pat and uh, and Jim Babjack, the guitarist for the Smithereens. I think we we. I think we either did we were either do it was either Blood and Roses or Behind the Wall asleep um, playing Smithereens tunes at at the first of what became an annual tradition Pat was doing a memorial day bash in his backyard inviting friends and stuff and and we'd set up and it'd be like a backyard jam session and I got to play with with him and and Jimmy and and that was bef- a couple of years before we, we ended up doing that white album thing but um, for me, the highlight of, of, of just this is you know, earl- really, relatively early on in my career. <laughs> um, just the highlight of, of being just being a Smithereens fan. Just, you know, who would have thought that? I mean, it's, it's always a thrill to get to meet a band you admire. Yeah. And, and then when they turn out to be cool people on top, that's really that, that's awesome. But then, you know, when you when you end up when you end up getting to join them on stage, <laughs> um, my the 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 experience that I, I love to tell the story that I love to tell about the Smithereens, um, before all this happened, we were down they were down in playing in Falls Church, Virginia at the State Theater, and and I it was it was like the weekend it was a week or two before my birthday so I decided I was going to take the week off of gigs. And I was gonna buy tickets to three Smithereen shows in a row and just follow them on the road for the weekend. And I got there, and Pat's like, "Hey, grab a guitar case, come on in. You're with the band tonight." <laughs> you know? And he's like, "Yeah, come on in, hang out." He's so I'm there for sound check, and I was like, "Hey, Pat, can I ask a, a a pretty ballsy big favor?" He's like, "Sure, what's up?" I said, "I have my bass in in my car. After you guys are done with your sound check, if there's a few minutes." is there any chance that that I could come up and play bass on a tune with you guys and and Severo could could take some pictures for me he's like yeah he goes i don't see why not so hung out you know at the end of their sound check Pat's like Scotty go get your bass and he says to he says to Dennis and Jimmy he goes he goes go you know, let the kid come up and play bass on a song with us and, and Severo can you hear you Scott's camera and take some pictures this is actually happening. I can't believe it. So we got up. He goes, "What do you want to play?" I said, "Why don't we do your version of One After '909?" The Smithereens had, had put that on a B <laughs> side, and he's like, "Okay." And, and Jimmy kicked Jimmy kicked off the song and guitar, and I started playing bass, and and and, I, and here I am playing bass. This is like what? Try, this is maybe 2006. So how old am I in 2000 I, I don't even remember <laughs> You can plead the fifth on that one. Uh, yeah well what I was I was in my I was in my, my mid20s mid to late 20s early 30s maybe because let's see, I'm, I'm, well, it's, it's 2020 and I'm 48 now so so subtract what 14 years If
1: any of my viewers are listening out there you, you all know I, I suck at math if you've listened to the John Montana <laughs> episode.
2: Oh, you had you had you had John on. John, oh, Johnny's yeah. a, Johnny's a good friend and a great bass player.
1: He asked me what twenty-five minus seven
2: was, and I blanked for about
1: <laughs> seven seconds.
2: Well, let's see. So what? I'm 48 now, so 14 years. So what? I was 34, or no, 20? Uh, I don't know. Whatever. I, look, don't, don't make me pull out the calculator app because I can't think on my. Oh, feet I'm either. I'm not. Well, but anyway, the point is here. I am this kid been a smithereens fan since i'd started picking up a guitar you know when i was 16 or whatever and and here i am perform playing with these guys and singing a harmony and and that's how i ended up becoming friends really solidifying a friendship with them and uh and it was over a beatles song no less <laughs>
1: So, Once again, proving that the Beatles bring us all together,
2: and 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 in and in proof that and and in actual documentation of the fact that nothing is Beatle-proof, Danny Harrison and Nigel Godrich have cameo appearances in Star Wars: The The Rise of Skywalker. What? Yes, do Dan- they? Danny Harrison and Nigel Godrich appear as Resistance troops in a in a in a crowd shot in star Wars episode nine.
1: Well, damn.
2: Yeah. I didn't notice that. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I was like, yeah, yep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, apparently, yeah. Nigel Godrich is good friends with, with JJ Abrams. <laughs> so yeah, that's a little aside, but yeah. So I got, like I said, I got to, I, anyway, that was, that was my first, uh, first time I got to play. But anyway, I, I, I digress. But at the end of this video, uh, that I'm playing with Pat and Jim at Pat Pat's Backyard. He introduces the, the band who is playing with him on the song and Jim Babjack from the Smithereens and Scott Erickson, the human jukebox on the bass.
1: And, I mean, that would just be, you know, being given a nickname by a hero. That That's just got to be the best feeling in the world. It's... It it doesn't suck. <laughs> it didn't suck. Um, yeah. I'm gonna bring us back to the Beatles. Good well, place. what did the Beatles mean to you?
2: Oh. Um What did the Beatles mean to me? Beatles you know i I don't I don't have uh uh the Beatles don't have a deep philosophical meaning to me. Um <laughs> Beatles mean music. It's a, it, Beatles. It, the Beatles are rock and roll. It's 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 music. <laughs> I don't. I, I I I I don't find a, a deeper meaning behind anything, as much as, as I I know a lot of other people do, and that's cool. Just for me, it's just it's meaning. And and um, I, if I have if I do have to find a, a, a different a, a deeper thing, I think it's it's family. Because I have met some of my best friends and, and, and people I call family. I've met through and because of the Beatles music. Because I've met people at the, at the, uh, the Fest for Beatles fans.
1: Same thing with me. It's even though last year at the Chicago Fest, it was my first ever fest, they all these people treated me like i was family Ugh. and now i feel like i've been welcomed into this world and i have you know one, my of, us, family.
2: one of us one of us one of us
1: I, I will say something touching on that point when i first walked into the lobby at the uh hyatt regency in chicago i wasn't quite sure what to expect like okay <laughs> either this is gonna be cool or it's gonna be like a cult it's both. And then I I turned the corner and you know like they had like candy out and they had literal Kool Aid. It's both. And I thought, it's like okay, so this is a cult.
2: Oh, it's but yeah. It's, it's it's my favorite cult ever. Um, I, I I was in Chicago. Did you see me in Chicago? I was there.
1: I I think I might have.
2: I was the guy running around with the blue beard.
1: <laughs> Hence the nickname Bluebeard. That
2: that would be it. Yeah, yeah. Um. I've been, yeah, I've been a part of the Chicago Fest. I've, I've been going, wow, I've been going to the Fest since 91. In, I started in Jersey, I've done. I went to Chicago in 93, 94, and then again in 98, and I started going back to Chicago in 2014, and I and haven't missed one in Chicago since.
1: Well, except for this upcoming one, which this one does, this we one doesn't all miss.
2: this one doesn't count. There is no fest this year, so there, so we're not missing one.
1: That is that's a good point. There's a virtual fest,
2: which, the vi- yes, and and I'm, and I'm I'm
1: actually quite excited about that
2: too. I will I, I've been asked if I people have asked me if I'm going to be part of the virtual fest, and and I can't say yes because the fest hasn't asked me yet. Mm-hmm. But I uh, I I will venture a guess and say as long as my my gig schedule allows, if, you know, if I don't end up having a real gig, or, a, sorry, an in-person, like, gig, I most likely will probably do a set for the Virtual Fest again. Because uh, I did do, I did do a, a set for the Virtual Fest for the New Jersey show.
1: I, I really like the Virtual Fest, because I wasn't going to be able to, you know, go to the New Jersey, New York Fest anyways. So it felt like I, I kind of got to experience something in a form that I wouldn't have got to experience otherwise.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah, the, the, the Virtual Fest was, was interesting and and, and kudos kudos and, and big big credits to Michelle and Tilly Lapidos and uh, and Danny Abriano for for really getting it all together and, and making it work as as well as it did. And I think when they do the virtual fest for the Chicago weekend, it's going to be even better because they really know how to get things, how, how to make it all work now. So, yeah.
1: I'm going to hit you with some quick fire questions.
2: Hit, Do it.
1: What's your favorite Beatles album?
2: The American version of Rubber Soul.
1: The American version? Yep. Fair enough. Uh, what's your least favorite Beatles album?
2: Oof, y- you um, can pick, you know, U.S., um, British. Pr- you can would, even
1: pick compilations if you want.
2: I would probably, say, I, I, think, um, uh, a quick fire. I'd probably say Beatles for Sale. Really? Yep.
1: I've I've heard that said a lot. Is it it's, like it's, the it's cover not a,
2: versions? It it's not no. It's it's not a bad album. I mean, it, you know, it's a Beatles album. How how is a Beatles album going to be bad? But when there are when, no,
1: there's no such thing as a bad Beatles album.
2: But w- when they're when, all great. But when you come off, when when you when you come off the 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 three in a row, hit and run, the grand slam of of please please, please me with the Beatles and a hard day's night, Beatles for Sale's kind of step down.
1: And then, especially when you follow it up with Help.
2: Exactly. So yeah. So while Beatles for Sale is not a bad album. It's not as good as the other four of the first five.
1: Uh, I will accept that. Uh, you know, Beatles for Sale. I really like that album, but I, I I can agree. It's actually no. I can't agree that it's not as good as Please Please Me. I am not a fan of that album.
2: Yeah, you're just wrong,
1: <laughs> but that's okay. Okay, you know uh, what? Sorry, uh, k- I'm sorry. Kudos. Any- k- I'm Kudos sorry to you. That's the how- first time a guest has said that to me, and I appreciate that. You know what? I say that to people all the time. Well, here, You're here, just here, wrong.
2: Here, here's the thing: how can you dislike or not be a fan of any album that starts with I Saw Her Standing There and ends with Twist and Shout? It's- See, you don't you don't even have an answer. So I- done. <laughs> you you didn't have it. You couldn't even answer. So next, your next rapid fire question, please, sir.
1: I have been usurped. <laughs> I am very impressed right now. <laughs> this is going to be one of the better episodes. Cool. Okay, who's your favorite beetle? Uh um Stu. I thought you were going to say uh
2: Stig. No. No. No, but my favorite ruddle was nasty.
1: That's a oh. You just reminded me of something. You you had, um, would you call it a friendship with Neil Innes? I,
2: I would, I would call it. Yes, I, I, I wouldn't say it was a close friendship, uh, but I would say it did cross the line um, from friendly acquaintance to friendship. We, we, he didn't, he did know me by name and by sight, and you know, you know, I mean, we didn't see each other or talk to each other regularly, but. Whenever he was at the fest and I and, and he saw me, there would always be Scott. How are you? And a and a, and a and a hug and a and a handshake and a greeting and, and yeah. So yes, Neil was a friend.
0: Yeah,
1: I I'm such I'm very sad that I never got to meet the man because I'm such an admirer of his work. Let it be you know the Rattles, mm-hmm. uh, you know the stuff he did with Monty Python even and especially the Bonzo Dog Doodah Band.
2: Yes. Yeah, I, all, I could
1: probably found the Canadian chapter, or I could start the Canadian chapter
2: of the Bonzo Dog Doodah Band fan club. Then do it. Then do it. We'll get you in touch with my friend, Rutland Ken.
1: I I don't know how to respond to that. I could Ru- do it.
2: Rutland Ken Thornton. Uh, Ken is a good friend of mine from Indiana who was who was Neil's touring guitar player in, in the Ruttles, the for the, Ruttles, the last... Uh, last two decades.
1: I'm going to hit you with another question. Okay. Why do the Beatles still matter?
2: Because music still matters. Because music still matters. Music still... As long as music is still relevant and music still matters, the Beatles' music will still matter. The... Whether whether or not the artist themselves will matter, it is to me it it all depends. Why do the Beatles matter? It, the music the, to me it's always to me everything always goes back to the music. <laughs> um, there will, the, but as long as there will be people to carry on the legacy and carry the the torch and tell the history that's why it, they'll that's why they'll matter
0: mm-hmm.
1: well that's why I, I think people like you and you know the guys in the boots and the suits are important because it's they're kind of the the carriers of the torch yeah.
2: and 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 kids like you and and, and I don't use the term kids I- I- as demeaning at all you know I don't I take mean. it as demeaning good ple good 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 because i'm not because it's it's certainly not. I mean, you know. I mean, you're I you're younger than my 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 nephew, my oldest nephew, and but you know, it's guys like you who are who are helping the the younger generations to appreciate what how good how good and important this music still is.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, I mean, honestly. I, to me, it doesn't matter if somebody says to me, You know what I think the Beatles look stupid or or i I could care less about 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 their philosophies or or this yeah. or that, but the music is cool. as long as you dig the music, man, that's that's all I care about.
1: <laughs> what do you say to people who say that the Beatles are overrated?
2: I'd say. I asked them, I said, well, you know, overrated, but what what's your basis for for saying that, you know, over overrated means overrated means you are unfairly praised without having anything to back up that praise. You know, they sold millions of records. They had they, they you know gold records, platinum records. You know, they were on the charts. They're still on the charts. You know, so where does the overrating come from?
1: I've said this about the Beatles before to friends of mine when we've talked about this, because I have a friend who thinks that the Beatles are, you know, a little overrated. Um, And I I always say, I don't think the Beatles are overrated. I think they're just rated enough.
2: That's, you know what, next time you talk to your friend and he says the Beatles are overrated, ask him why he thinks they're overrated. What about, what about them is actually overrated?
1: Uh, the person I'm kind of referring to has said, you know, people think that they're just the most important thing that's ever happened to music, and that music wouldn't have really happened without them when there were other bands like, you know, the Velvet Underground near the same
2: time well, who you know were what? doing
1: more inventive things. Or you at least know that's what?
2: what he says. Well, the, the the thing to look at is... is look, and, and and I've got ai have a, a very dear friend who is also a musician and and despite what he says. He is, in fact, a Beatles fan. He is, in fact, a Beatles fan, but he's over the Beatles. He's over the experience, he says, he goes, you know what? There are other bands out there. There are other musicians to admire and to follow and to praise. He goes. I get that the Beatles were great, but it's done. He says. He says McCartney hasn't done anything worthy since since he stopped working with Elvis Costello. <laughs> and 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 honestly, in some aspects, he's kind of right. <laughs> you know, in I, a I way won't mention, he is. Yeah, I mean, but the thing is, a lot of what he says, and he says a lot of this publicly, and he does he does a lot of it. To get a rise out of out of his Beatle fan friends, Uh, including me, is it working? Sometimes, but but a lot of times I'm just like, you know what, dude? I know you're just trying to. I I know how you really feel, but but I also but I also understand what he's talking about because there are a lot of other bands. He he thinks the Kinks blow the Beatles away.
1: See, and the thing is, I would say that the bands like you know the Stones and the Kinks, should be, on that same or near that same kind of level. But what really does it for me is their latter day stuff. You know, the Kinks and the Stones, they lose me a- after about nineteen seventy.
2: Well, I, honestly, the i've i've listened to i've listened to the Kinks, like throughout their career, and I find. I like the hits. The rest is just kind of eh. me. I feel the same way about Queen. You want to talk about a band? You want to talk about a band that I that's overrated? Right, here's, Thank here's you. One. Thank you. I love Queen's hits. I can't get enough of them.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But but I've listened to A Night at the Opera. And I'll tell you what. Hold on. Let me see. Let me do something here.
1: What's the name of that song on that album? I'm in love with my car.
2: Oh, yeah. Let I me mean, let's see. I'm looking. I'm I'm looking at the track listing. Albeit for...
1: smartest move in history from Roger Taylor, the drummer, uh, for managing to get that on the B side of "Fucking Bohemian Rhapsody."
2: <laughs> smartest move in
1: history.
2: <laughs> well, you know. Let's see. I'm looking. I'm looking at the track listing for for uh for Bohemia for for a night at the opera right now you're my best friend great song 39 my favorite queen song ever but all right bohemian rhapsody so three songs all right love of my life also a great song but for the, the rest of the I found the rest of the album to be really overblown and just kind of pretentious. And that's how I feel about a lot of Queen stuff.
1: I was going to say that I've heard Queen's entire discography minus, Mm -hmm. you know, greatest hits as overblown and
2: pretentious pompous. I, yeah, I, I just, uh, uh, Pete, Pete Best's younger brother, rogue, rogue best rogue just had a posted something. He goes, um, he, 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 was asking people which movie they liked better, Bohemian Rhapsody or or, or Rocket Man. Rocket Man, easy. Well, I I said you know it, it's again it's hard to compare because they're two different types of, of films. You know, I, bo- I, Bohemian Rhapsody. I, I, bo- I excuse excuse the the lack of a pun. Bohemian Rhapsody is a straight biopic. <laughs> well, it's not really a straight biopic. Yeah. <laughs> But Bohemian Rhapsody. Well, is
1: technically, a... neither of them are particularly straight. Biopics. Well, I know.
2: Well, but but I mean, but but yeah, Bohemian now Rhapsody I, I know is, is a biopic, and with with a lot of chronological problems. Mm-hmm. Rocket Man is a musical where the lyrics of the songs are being used to further the narrative, and it's done brilliantly. The only the only real glaring error in Rocket Man. Is the story of how Elton takes his last name?
1: Looking at the picture on the wall in Dick James' office of, of
2: the Beatles, yeah, and and we yeah. all know we all know that he got John from the singer of Bluesology, Long John Baldry, you know. Yeah, but but again, that's the only real real glaring error in Rocket Man.
1: What so. I I really liked about Rocket Man is even if there are factual errors, like you know elton didn't write i'm still standing while he was in rehab he wrote it in like the midst of his like crippling coke addiction right but i felt like it was able to take those creative liberties because it wasn't presenting itself as a straight retelling of history whereas bohemian rhapsody was and it got a lot wrong so i feel like it, it right. took a lot away from the movie while I was watching it. It took me right out of the movie. The
2: other the other thing about the other thing that took me out of, the, out, of out of Bohemian Rhapsody was every time Rami Malik opened his mouth, I heard Freddie Mercury. Yeah. Or I heard uh what was his name? Mark uh something I, or other. I know guy. who you're talking about. The guy uh in that where, wherever you, yeah. heard, wherever you heard Freddie singing acapella or just playing a piano by himself, like practicing, was this other guy? It was Mark something or other. I know. Yeah, I know. I don't Mark know his Martell. name. My... Mark Martel. Mark Yeah, Mark Martel, who is a fantastic Freddie Mercury sound alike. Mm-hmm. But every time you heard Taron Edgerton open his mouth in Rocket Man to sing, you heard Taron Edgerton. And, by the way, did you catch Giles Martin's cameo in Rocketman? I did catch it.
1: And um, I thought, like, oh, is he playing his dad?
2: He's No, he's playing Gus Dudgeon.
1: Oh, really? El,
2: Elton's producer. Huh. He's playing Gus he was, Dudgeon.
1: I thought he was playing George Martin.
2: No, George, No, George didn't produce Elton. Gus I Dudgeon he did at
1: some point in the '70s, like Elton worked at Air Studios.
2: Not, not for that first album. Not where they were recording your song. No, that was Gus Dudgeon. He was playing. But yeah, and, and, and Giles Martin also produced the soundtrack album.
1: Mm-hmm. So. But I feel like, you know, Rocket Man was able to take, the or was able to stray from what actually happened because it wasn't presenting itself as like, you know history because it's not like elton john actually saw his younger self at the
2: bottom of a pool well no no not at all but again but also you have to remember that that rocket man was also based on elton's autobiography
1: mm-hmm. which is fantastic by the way
2: i have if any I have of an- you
1: out there haven't listened to it go listen to it or read it oh, or I I whatever. have I have,
2: I have an e version I have to, I have other I have a couple other things I have to get through before I get to it but I will be getting to it. Um It
1: took me a while to get through the uh you know audiobook and it was read by Air, or Taron Edgerton.
2: Oh, ta- oh, cool. Well, I'm I'm a, I'm am ai a I'm a fan of Taron Taron's from the uh, the Kingsman films
1: mm-hmm. which Elton was also in.
2: Yes, he was in the second yeah. one. Yeah. Playing himself, which is really funny, beating up all those bad guys. Yes, but but no, um, but yeah, but but Elton, Elton had final approval on the film. Mm -hmm. So, but I again, what I I I think my favorite moments in in Rocket Man were basically using the music and, and using the lyrics to further the narrative, like like honky like honky cat becoming a conversation between John Reed and Elton John
1: yeah like when you it's a it's a jukebox musical
2: yeah yeah
1: but it's it's it got very creative with the use of his catalog
2: yeah it it it's exactly what a musical should have been unlike and don't uh, and and don't ever please don't ask me what I think of across of across the universe.
1: Oh I don't. I I will publicly say I hate that movie with a passion.
2: <laughs> me too. Yeah. I, I don't told,
1: think there's many defenders of that movie. Oh, I I know ranks. several.
2: I to, I told I told somebody who I, I found out was one of the one of the producers on the film. Oh Jesus. Well, he, he he is somebody who used to be involved at the fest. And he asked me if I saw it and what I thought of it. And I said, I saw it. He goes, What did you think? I said, Do you really want you want my answer? He goes, Yeah. I said, I I I, I didn't like it. I hated it. He goes, Really? Why? I said, okay, well, here's why. <laughs> I said, one, it was incredibly cliche making everybody's character name a name from a Beatles song or lyric. <laughs> Two, um, it was so obvious that the writers and the directors wanted to make this an anti-war protest movie. But you didn't, But they didn't have the balls to set it, and they're trying to do it now. They wanted to, to make an anti-war statement now, but they didn't have the balls to set it in present day. So they set it in the Vietnam era because, because of the Beatles music being in the 60s. They wanted to give it that 60s vibe, and, and it completely makes the anti-war statement trite and cliché. If you wanted to make a statement about what's going on now, which you obviously did, you should have said it in today's world.
1: To me, that whole sequence of, you know, I want you, she's so heavy, is so heavy-handed with the metaphors that I, I about fell out of my chair laughing the first time I saw it.
2: I, I don't even remember enough of the movie to tell you what scenes I liked. The only thing I, I remember is just, what's uh, What's her name? Um, was it Evan Rachel Wood s- singing? Care. I, I remember. The care. only thing I remember is Evan Rachel Wood singing "I Want to Hold Your Hand," uh, having a girl crush on, on another girl, and that's and that was fine. I I. But if you're going to talk about jukebox musicals, I I preferred I preferred Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band over over Across the Universe because at least at least Sergeant Pepper is bad and it knows it's bad and it doesn't take itself seriously.
1: I mean what the hell did you expect with the Bee Gees and Peter Frampton? Uh, well
2: well well it killed Peter Frampton's career. <laughs> it, that the, seriously that, that Peter Frampton was the biggest thing in the 70s until that movie came out and suddenly he was gone.
1: I I I read somewhere that that album went I think it was like double or triple platinum. Before it even came out, and then it was basically, it whatever the equivalent of that is, but for albums
2: returned, it's the only album to go. It's the only album to hit the cutout buttons before it was pressed. Yes, <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I think the RIAA actually had to change their rules because of that. Ow.
2: I don't, I don't know. All, all I know is, is, is. Is I actually own the movie on Blu-ray?
1: Why? <laughs> it's just because that Steve Martin performance. Because I know, was, because
2: yeah. yeah, I was given a, a promo. I was given actually two promo copies of it from two different people, and I actually gave one. I, I did a gig a few, before the whole COVID quarantine, so I played a gig somewhere, and I said, "All right, I'm going to give away a really shitty prize, folks. Going to do a trivia contest, and I'm going to give away a really shitty prize." And and I gave the prize away. They go, what is this? I said, I told you it was a shitty prize. I was not lying.
0: <laughs> oh, but fuck.
2: But uh, but no, I I you know what I I I like that movie because it is so bad.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: It does it refuse it doesn't take itself seriously. And as bad as that movie is, there are two performances in that movie that are world class. And. And are just some of the two of the best Beatle covers
1: ever. You talk about when Billy Preston appears on that roof of the building and
2: he starts spinning. No, I am not. I am talking about Aerosmith covering "Come Together" and Earthwind and Fire doing "Got to Get You Into My Life."
1: That is very fair. Got Billy the- Billy Preston
2: as as Sergeant Pepper singing "Get Back." Oh, that's horrible. It's all you over. Know-
1: I, I actually showed my friend, I, I didn't make him sit through the movie, but I showed him that 15 second clip of him appearing on the roof of that building, shooting like a laser out of his hand. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Get and back! My friend looked at me like I had just shown him footage of somebody like being hit by a truck.
2: Oh, man. Oh, just... You're, uh, 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 it, it's it's hard it's it's hard it's hard to take a movie seriously when 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 the Bee Gees are dressed as pallbearers singing <laughs> carry that weight at a funeral procession.
1: <laughs> I think he could have just said like it's hard to take a movie seriously with the Bee Gees full stop.
2: Oh, I like the Bee Gees. Oh I, I, am, I do too. I am, I am a card car and I'm and I'm a BG Ge- a disco Bee Gees fan too. Saturday BG's Fe- fan. That's a bold statement. Saturday Night Fever soundtrack? Are you kidding? That moved, that album is gold. I mean, I, I I really like the 60s Bee Gees. 60s Bee Gees are great. 70s Bee Gees. My, fa- my My three favorite Bee Gees songs are Tragedy, Nights on Broadway, and To Love Somebody.
1: I think my favorite 70s one has got to be Jive Talking, though.
2: Yeah, nah, Jive Talking's all right.
1: You Jive were just ta- talking about the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack. It's Jive better Talkin- than
2: any of those songs. Jive Talkin' talking's great, but Tragedy and Nights on Broadway are 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 hands down the best of the 70s Bee Gees output.
1: Well, well that's post-Saturday Night Fever, though, isn't it? Uh, I know Tragedy is, at least. Ah,
2: tragedy is my favorite Bee Gees tune ever, though. That song, that, song is, that song is a bitch to, to cover live, too.
1: Is it the high notes?
2: Yes, it is the high notes.
1: Sometimes I just think about Barry Gibb, and I just wonder how. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's, it's, it's difficult. It's it is, Especially to sing it loud. God, that
1: Sgt. Pepper movie. I'm gonna be seeing that. I'm gonna be watching that in my sleep tonight.
2: I might I might pull the I might pull the Blu-ray out and watch it tonight. You know what? The sad
1: thing is now I actually kind of want to get a Blu-ray copy of that.
2: You know what? It, you can find it cheap, man. It's it's certainly not it's certainly not in the in the in the the expensive sellers list.
1: <laughs> Whatever the modern day equivalent of the cutout bin is.
2: Uh, <laughs> no, it's it you know what it's 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 a fun it, it's so bad it's 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 a fun watch because you, you know, but the thing is these guys it, 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 I almost feel bad for them now because they thought they were really doing something they thought they were doing something great but man it's it's so bad It's has it so, ever been so documented
1: bad. what the Beatles actually thought of that movie
2: um, not the movie but apparently John John saw the the. The Broadway, the the off Broadway production
1: of the Sergeant Pepper.
2: Yeah, and didn't care for it much. Oh Jesus! I think I think Mark Lapidos and I were talking about that the other night because I guess he saw it was I think it was either he saw that in the he saw that and I think John was in the in the 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 theater the same night he saw it.
1: I will probably. I don't have a date nailed down, but I will have Mark Lapidus on the show sometime in the next few weeks.
2: Mark is is I Mark is great. I I I think the world of Mark and Carol and their kids.
1: I, I don't know him super well, but I hope to get to know him better because he seems like an awesome guy.
2: He uh, I I've gotten to know gotten to know them better over the last just the last couple of years. Um, I, I've been, I've been, like I said, I've been going to the fest since '91. Um, you've seen in the in the fest program, Pig Light Show, <laughs> who does the the psychedelic light shows for the Liverpool concerts on Friday or Saturday and Sunday rather. Um, Pig Light Show, uh, his name is Mark Rubenstein. Mark and I have become really good friends over the last 10, 12 years or so, and and like he he and I, m- Mark has become has become the closest thing I've had to a father figure since my dad passed away 25 years ago. <laughs> so so Pig, Piggy has had me as his assistant for several years. So I was on staff before the Fest added the Apple Jam stage. And <laughs> once they added the Apple Jam stage in 2015, I became, I became a solid part of the Fest's music lineup. So I've been, I've been a Fest performer at every fest in Jersey and in Chicago since 2015.
1: If there's anyone out there listening who has not been to a fest and you consider yourself a musician, I will give you one piece of advice. Bring an instrument of some sort. <laughs> because I didn't know about these jam sessions on the, you know, bottom-ish floor. Yes. Until I showed up
2: there and it's like,
1: "What the hell? I could have brought my guitar." And Nicole- instead I I ended up using someone's, you know, drum set.
2: The cool thing is in Chicago, if you if you ask somebody, hey, do you mind if I play guitar on a song or two Mm -hmm. in Chicago? That'd be like, yeah, I needed to go to the bathroom anyway, man. Here, go ahead.
1: People were very, you know, gracious with their drums, even though I ended up breaking somebody's drum head. And I still feel very bad about that.
2: What was it? Were you playing the little miniature tiny little drum kit? there were a couple
1: tiny ones but one of them was like you know a, a kid's kit.
2: that there's one guy there's his name is Tony. It, Tony i
1: think it is Tony
2: Tony the Tony Tony's oh Tony's dynamite Tony is a Tony is a a dynamite musician um within the last year just got a gig as the drummer in uh in a in a Chicago based uh boots and suits band
0: which one brettby
2: uh, Yes, I think it's either Brit Beat or American English. Mm-hmm. He's in one of those. But yeah, but he he brings this little he he got like a little like a child's drum kit and put real heads. I think it's head...
1: even like American Idol branded.
2: What I don't know if that was it, but he it was like a little it was like a toy drum kit but he put yeah. real drum heads on it and and uses like real kick pedals and it like sounds like a it sounds like a like a it's a dynamite sounding kit.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, I think someone who is using that kit let me use it, <laughs> and, and somehow I ended up putting a stick right through the snare head, and I I was so fucking scared. I just scurried away right then and there and headed to the esc or the elevators. Oops.
2: Yeah, the the for me the, the highlights for uh, the jams for me in Chicago, are are by the stairs, mm-hmm. all the way in the back. Um, on Saturday and Sunday nights and they're, it's, they're run by Big D, Dan Phillips.
1: I remember I, I stayed at one of them until about, like I think it was like 11.30 but th- I think they go much later. Can you confirm or deny this?
2: 6am. <laughs> what the fuck? How? <laughs> Is it it's, the same people? It's it, it, it usually just dwindles down to Big D and and last couple times it was just Big D and me. <laughs> and and we just sit there and just strum guitars, and finally we just stop playing. We just sit. We're just sitting drinking, you know. Um, but yeah, like like we've gone to bed at like five or six in the morning. I don't I don't do that on Sunday anymore because I I when I go to Chicago I drive and it's about a thirteen hour drive home. So I tend to not do that because I need to sleep because I have to drive all the way back to Pennsylvania, from Pennsylvania. Yeah. Okay. But, uh, but yeah Dan Phillips matter of fact he uh, he goes live he's gonna be doing an all beatle night from his page tomorrow night um, Daniel Phillips he's yeah big D he's he's great um, and John Machave from Liverpool comes down and jams with 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 Big D in Chicago
1: I, I want to meet this big D character
2: you do his name is Daniel Phillips he is he is. One of the coolest guys, um, the 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 Jersey Fest is 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 a lot of fun. It's great. The Chicago Fest, the 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 vibe is a lot more laid back.
1: Uh, I'm, that's what I've heard from a lot of people. Absolutely, and that's why I'm kind of glad that was the one I was introduced to. Yeah, just the Jersey... kind of by a matter of location.
2: Yep, the Jersey one is cool. I mean, I have a great time. I have a great time at both. Um, but I've seen the difference firsthand from, from, from being at both of them now. I've just been Um, told
1: it's a different crowd.
2: It's a totally, it's a totally different crowd. You know, it's, it's the New York city, New York city versus Chicago. Mm -hmm. You know, just in the people themselves. Um, it's
1: like, I, I was astounded when I went there just at how nice people were to just this, like you know kid who just showed up yep and started inserting
2: himself into things yep that's you know and that's and that's the whole thing i mean in chicago it's it's very everybody's very very open armed you know we're all we're all there for a common a common thing common love it's it's very much a communal attitude you know you, everybody's like you want a beer you want a beer have a beer you know <laughs>
1: Actually, if I could use this, there's... I don't remember the guy's name, but I I hope that maybe somehow he hears this. There was a guy on, I think it was the Saturday of the last Chicago Fest, who became kind of just like my, you know, friend for the day. And we kind of went to all these panels together. Okay. Do you you remember his name? I, I do not remember his name. But I remember he was telling me, you remind me of myself in 1977. (laughs) <laughs> at the first Chicago Fest, <laughs> so I became kind of like the cutesy little mascot.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Well, well, um, I, I I've been talking to a lot of people in, who who are who are bummed out about there not being a fest this year, and I'm and I'm kind of bummed. But with the way things have been going, I you know had the Chicago Fest not been canceled this year, I wouldn't have been able to make it because I, I just haven't I, I have I haven't been working. I wouldn't have been able to afford the trip. I, I don't
1: think I could have made it because you know the border is still closed, right? So I couldn't I couldn't have gotten down anyways.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean i i wouldn't I wouldn't have had the money to make the trip this year, you know. But
1: you know what that means though it'll it'll just make the next Chicago Fest all the more special.
2: Chicago twenty twenty one is going to be fantastic. It'll right be now, just like a big reunion. At, well, yeah, well, that's what it is anyway. I yeah. mean, but this. But right, right now we're we're still holding out hope. Um, the New Jersey Fest was rescheduled for October,
1: mm-hmm. and even this that, year, it, I'm not sure how feasible it looks. From what I've
2: I heard. yes, same here. But and I'm I'm, I'm kind of hoping I'm I'm hoping it happens. But at the same time, I'm like, he's gonna they're gonna be doing the 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 2020 Fest in October, and then doing the 2021 Fest in March. It's too soon. Yeah, way too soon.
1: Like two. NYC area fests in less than six it's
2: less months. Less than six months. It's yeah, it's it's too soon.
1: Yeah. But you know, it'll it'll just make the next fests more special.
2: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean other favorite fest moments. Um, being Ruddle for a day and being uh, called up on stage to join Neil Innes. What was that for... like, being a ruddle for a day? Oh <laughs> um, well Did he my... give you a Ruddle name? No, I was just I was just Scott, but I did get to sing lead. I did get to sing lead on a Ruddle song with Neil in a singing harmony. Ooh, which one? Uh, a girl like you. Oh, okay. Which is kind of funny because it's a Smithereens hit too. <laughs> <laughs> same same title, different song. Yeah. But uh, yeah, um, my my good friend Ken Thornton. There's only Thornton, a certain
1: number of words out there. Yeah.
2: Well, my my good friend Ken Thornton talked to Neil and said Scott knows a lot of Ruddle stuff and he's a he's a really talented guitar player and singer and maybe we could get him up to do something and neil said said to me he goes so he goes so what song what Ruddle songs do you do you know i said most of them which one do you want to play all of them <laughs> he goes no pick one and i told him i said I, I i i could i be stig he goes all right so they so on apple jam the next day Neil was doing a set he and Ken did a couple of songs together and then they brought me up and I ended up playing the rest of the set with them oh wow it wasn't just one song that it's funny because that same weekend I ended up backing Roy Orbison Jr. for all of his set as well oh, Wow, which was kind of cool that was that was a pretty fun week um uh Jeff Slate brought me up as part of his uh set on the main stage to play uh, "Rattled" by the Traveling Wilburys, and that was that was intense because in in Slate's band, it was at least it was him, uh, Roy Orbison Jr., Alex Orbison was on drums,
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, Roy's uh, run of Roy's other two sons, um, Mark Bosch, who is uh, part of Ian Hunter's Rant Band with Steve Holly, mm-hmm. uh, a guy named Mark Plotty, and uh, Rick McM- Rick Mullen. Uh Mark Plotty was part of David Bowie's band. Okay. <laughs> so here I am on stage with these guys, and I'm just well. I get rattled every time we. And I'm just sitting there playing my twelve string acoustic, and I'm just I'm having the time of my life, man. That's a, yeah. That fe- that fest was. I think that was the 2018 fest.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm gonna at- a, I'm gonna a- ask a a you one time. last question, and then I'm gonna wrap things up. Okay. Okay. You're a you're a beetle you're a beetle guitar player.
2: I'm a guitar player who plays a lot of Beatle music. I'm not, I wouldn't call myself a Beatle guitar player, but
1: okay. okay, that important distinction. If you could have any of those guitars that the Beatles played, which one? Not you know? like the actual. Well, I mean, we'd all like the actual ones that like John played, but the same model, like.
2: If I could, you know what? If I could have. If I could have one guitar, I want. I've always wanted uh, the rosewood Telecaster.
1: The, those are nice. I played one at the uh, Chicago Music Exchange right before I I checked in
2: for the fest. They weigh so much. They're so oh, heavy.
1: You could kill someone with one.
2: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I've always I've I'm I'm a Telecaster fan. I have a tattoo of a Telecaster on my on my my right arm. <laughs> Um, but I, I've been a Telecaster fan since I started playing electric guitar and, and I just love the look of the Rosewood Telecaster mm-hmm. and I love this and I, and I love it. I just love Telecasters to begin with. So the Rosewood Tele would be, that would be my Beatle guitar. The Rickenbackers are cool. The Hoffners are cool. Give me a good old Telecaster any day.
1: I mean, it's not quite a, you know, a Rickenbacker 360, but I, I got like a Dan Electro, Twelve string a couple years ago, and I've been able to you know get some pretty good jangly tones out of that. Oh thing. yeah,
2: I've got I've got a, a little company out of Canada called Dillion.
1: Oh I, I know Dillian.
2: I have I have I have what I it's what I call my Fakenbacher. Oh yeah, it looks like a Black Rick with mm-hmm. three pickups. I have their their fake Rickenbacher twelve string.
1: I I actually have a, a clone. Like John Lennon three twenty five, that's sitting in my closet in pieces, kind of. <sighs> like it doesn't have a bridge, it doesn't have a tailpiece. <laughs> uh, I'd have to get a lot of work done on it, and but some play some day I do plan on you know putting the Bigsby on it, well, or putting a so Bigsby. I don't have one.
2: Yeah, I yeah so I mean, yeah we'll get it fixed, man. Yeah. yeah, this 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 Dillion twelve string I have, it. It gives me. It's got three mini humbuckers on it, um, and it gives me every. It gives me every tone. It even has the. It even has the same string pattern. Mm-hmm. The the, Ric, the Rick and Bucker twelve and then the low the, one. Uh, the, the no the high ones. Uh, oh wait, no. I think it, it is strung like a Rigger twelve because the Rickenbackers I believe have the high strings on the inside.
1: I thought it was the other way around.
2: I don't remember because I have I have. I have so many guitars, I forget at this point. <laughs>
0: yeah,
2: but all, but all I know is that I, it gives me the jangle. It gives me it, it gives me all the sound. It gives me it gives me all the tones I need. But uh, but yeah, I'm I wouldn't consider myself a Beatle guitarist. I, I I don't do strictly Beatles music.
1: No, I take that back. A guitarist who plays the Beatles music.
2: Right. No, I mean it's it's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm 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 a musician. I mean my. Beatles were my go-to, and it's you know where I start, what I started learning. But but if you if you see my master song list, the Beatles are are only one page out of twenty-four pages. You know. Is there any so,
1: small faces on that list?
2: There's not.
1: Is there any zombies? Not,
2: there are there are a couple of zombies tunes. There's a there's a a handful of Who tunes. Uh, there's a few Stones tunes. There's a ton of monkeys tunes of monkeys too because the monkeys the monkeys are awesome
1: the monkeys are very awesome i don't care what anybody says about who they weren't a real actually you know what if they're listening to this show they probably don't think that
2: if they're listening to the show and think the monkeys aren't a real band you're half right Mm. the monkeys were not a real band they became a real band
1: you know i i don't even look down upon like oh they didn't even play their own instruments yeah, no, none they, of those bands in California played their own instruments.
2: They, they played other people's instruments. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they they they, they borrow no. Um, the 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 birds on uh, yeah. the, the Mister Tambourine Man. They all sessions, used the Wrecking Crew. <laughs> the, the only the only on on, on Mister Tambourine Man the only bird who's actually playing on, on that track McGuinn. is McGuinn.
1: Yeah. But you know the Mamas and Papas had the Wrecking Crew. Uh, oh, Beach Boys had The Wrecking Crew. Uh, to me, The Monkees don't seem any different.
2: No, well, the only difference is The Monkees were not cast as a band. The Monkees was a TV show. Yeah. The Monkees was a TV show where, the, where four actors were hired to, to play the part of a band. Mm-hmm. They, in fact, did learn how to become a functioning band mm-hmm. in addition to their roles as actors. But I can honestly say I, in in my monkey in my monkeys repertoire, I can honestly say that I have at least one song from every monkey's album.
1: Every monkey's album.
2: I'm looking at my. I'm I'm. What looking song do you have th- from Head? Songs. Songs from Head. from Head. Yeah, let me let me look let me look at my full list here. Bringing it up. That's not from head. I
1: know it's from Pisces, Capricorn, Aquarius, and Joe.
2: That's n- yes, it, that's true. Yeah. Wait, that's the. It's that's just that's my favorite song.
1: riff from the monkeys to play.
2: Yeah, and 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 and, do you know what it? Do you know what it's very similar to?
1: Um. I'm I'm sure it's gonna be very obvious. Um. Yeah. Oh, I.
0: Yeah.
2: It's very similar to I Want to Tell You. It is very similar to I Want to Tell You.
1: I was going to say there's a song by this band, but it came out after, uh, called. or from this band called Fire, the song uh, Father's Name Was Dad. I think McCartney actually produced that song under a pseudonym.
2: I don't know it. From From Head. From Head, I do the Porpoise Song. Mm -hmm. Circle Sky. Mm -hmm. As we go along Wait. wait, No Diddy Diego war chant. Hold on. One, two,
1: three.
2: I no, I do Porpoise Song, Circle Sky, Can You Dig It As We Go Along, and Long Title. Okay. Long title? So I So I think I do I do everything except Daddy Song.
1: What about the Diddy Diego War Chant? Hey, hey, we are the monkeys. That's, that's not a song. That is true. Is long title uh Do I Have to Do This All Over Again?
2: Do I have to do this all, do- all over again? again. Love that one. So I, uh, I'm, I'm thinking. Let's see. From the first album, I'm, I do "The Monkeys," "I Want to Be Free," "Papa Jean's Blues," "Take a Giant Step," "Clarksville," "I'll Be True to You," "Yes I Will," and "Sweet Young Thing." From the second album, "She," "Mary Mary," "Not Your Stepping Stone," "Look Out," "Here Comes Tomorrow," "Sometime in the Morning," "Laugh," and "I'm a Believer." From the in-between single, "A Little Bit Me, A Little Bit You," and "The Girl I Knew Somewhere," all of your toys. I love yeah, yeah. Let's see. Headquarters, you told me I'll spend my life with you. Forget that girl. You just may be the one. Shades of Grey, Mr. Webster, Sunny Girlfriend, Randy Sjowski. It's almost the whole album. (laughs) From Pisces, we do Salesman. She hangs out during the summer. Love is Only Sleeping, Cuddly Toy, Hard to Believe, Hanging Round, Pleasant Valley Sunday, Daily Nightly and Star Collector. (laughs) From Birds the Bees, there's Daydream Believer, Tapioca Tundra, Zoran Zam. The su- that we do the single dw Ashburn. it's nice to be with you <laughs> ladies baby saint matthew the, from these sessions so we covered head from instant replay we do through the looking glass from present listen to the band someday man good clean fun and if i knew oh wait oh from changes i i've been known to. i should add this i do do midnight train gotta add that to the list before i forget I do do that one. I gotta re just put you that on. You just ways. said
1: doo-doo. And now it's hey, on record.
2: Yes, I uh, among, that song is doo-doo, but I do it anyway. Oh. So we do have we do have all the al- all the albums represented. That was then this is now. From pull it we do getting in. Since you went away, I'll love you forever. Justice, oh what a night, it's not too late. And then from uh, Good Times we do You Bring the Summer. She Makes Me Laugh, Our Own World, Me and Magdalena, and from the Good Times Plus EP, we do Terrifying, the B-side. So yes, every album is represented except for Christmas Party, but I don't count that album.
1: One final, final question. Do you do, (laughs) um, have you seen your mother baby standing in the shadow by the Rolling Stones? I,
2: I do not. Oh, dude. I do not.
1: That's like my favorite Stone song.
2: I don't even do my favorite stone song.
1: What is your favorite? St- Actually, no, my favorite my- stone song is In Another Land, off of Their Satanic Majesty's Request.
2: My favorite song, my favorite stone song is 2,000 Light Years From Home.
1: That, oh, y- the album, Their Satanic Majesty's Request, is half brilliant, half nearly unlistenable. <laughs>
2: For the Stones, I do Mother's Little Helper, Jumpin' Jack Flash, Sympathy, Ruby Tuesday, which is my favorite one to play. Let It Bleed, Can't Always Get What You Want, Dead Flowers, Wild Horses, Angie, and Waiting on a Friend.
1: From the superior British version of Aftermath. Because anyone so, that doesn't have Mother's Little Helper, it's like oh, I know it's on Flowers, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> all of those Abco Stones albums, like the American ones, can all burn.
2: Yeah, there's a lot to be said for the American catalogs versus the U- versus the, the UK catalogs. Like I said, like I said, the American Rubber Soul is my favorite Beatles album.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, it's it's also a different album.
2: Like completely different album. Mm-hmm.
1: It's I think that's also my uncle's favorite. You know, it's folkier, but I, it always throws me off hearing "I've just seen a face" instead of "Drive my car."
2: It's yeah. Well, which is I it's think a, the it's a, yeah.
1: reverse uh, for a lot of people. You know, when they first got those CDs, it's like, "What the hell is this? Why is this the starting song?"
2: I just I just love the folk the folky version of, of of that album. I just I just totally dig it. Say
1: what you want. That's the album that inspired Pet Sounds. Not the British version, the American one.
2: Alright, you're you're you really you really ready to for hate
1: mail? Uh you know what? I, I was born ready. <laughs> I was born ready. If anyone pet would be getting pet okay.
2: Pet Sounds is one of the most overrated albums of all time. Thank you.
1: Thank you, thank you. It's I like about six songs on that album.
2: It's you know it, like you like it, it's. It, I, I I don't get it. It's, I don't. I've listened. I've listened to it. I've listened to the five point one surround mix. I don't get it.
1: I love smile. I love the smile sessions.
2: I you know I, I I've listened to the Beach Boys. I I and. It, I, I,
1: I don't get it. This is something I won't censor. Mike Love, from what I hear, is a
2: fucking douchebag. Oh, oh I, every, every so often I post a status on Facebook, this just in, Mike Love is still a dick. Oh, yeah. It's
1: like imagine bullying your mentally unstable brother to come back in the band just then so he can record
2: him. Kokomo. And then firing him. Yeah. Uh, bring we're gonna bring we're gonna bring you back in the yeah. band just bring for the, for the 50th anniversary tour. Brian's and then back. Fire you. Oh yeah. Uh, God. Yeah. Um. I again. I like I like the Beach Boys, but I've I've listened to Pet Sounds and I've been like, yeah, okay, Good Vibrations is great. Her- Heroes and Villains is cool. Um, but you know what? I didn't uh, hear you say I, vegetables. McCartney on McCartney on uh, celery. On on Celery. McCartney on Celery. Yes. That's right. McCartney plays bass on Going to Carolina by Jim by by James Taylor. On the original recording.
1: Doesn't George play guitar
2: on that? I don't I don't know if George is playing guitar on that, but I know McCartney's playing bass on on, on the one on, on the version that's on the Apple album. Yeah. There's so
1: much good stuff on that. Those early Apple releases. Anyways, here is my favorite part of the show. I'm gonna turn it over to you, Scott. What do you want to plug?
2: Um you find me on the web at Um You can find me on Facebook, facebook.com slash official Scott Erickson. Um, and that's really about it. I do live streams on Tuesday nights on my, my personal Facebook page. You just find me there. I'll put there all the available. links in
1: the descriptions for yeah, all yeah, of those that's... too lazy to click or lazy yeah. to type.
2: Yeah, that's good. Yeah yeah i don't really have much to plug i mean you know just you know find find me on the web at at com if you live in pennsylvania or or somewhere near there come uh hit me up come see me at a live gig and request a tune or two i'm
1: not biased or anything but go watch his live streams they're they're very entertaining
2: thank you appreciate that and
1: you know thank you for coming on the show
2: scott Oh, thank you for having me. It's been a, it's been a blast, man. It's, it, really it's been awesome. a blast for me, too. Everyone
1: else out there, thanks for listening. You can go home.
2: Bands on the Run is produced by Ethan Alexander. Additional voiceovers by Richard Feldman. This has been a Showtown production.